Hey, thanks so much for choosing the Haven House of Revival Sermon of the Week. We pray that this sermon impacts your heart and it inspires you to change your life and the world around you for God. Please enjoy the message. Great to have you here. If you're new here, welcome to Haven. Come back and visit again. Uh, we love this family. I've got to take my shirt off if you don't mind. Well, not the shirt underneath, but uh, I want you to see this because this fits with my sermon. We were about to leave the door, and I said, "Hun, I got a great shirt to wear today. <laughs> Hold on while I overthink this for a minute. <laughs> Anybody resemble this shirt? Oh, I'm sort of caught up now. Let me overthink how to undo this. <laughs> um, I wanted to speak to you about facing the fire of discouragement. Obviously, we saw Danny face some discouragement. Anybody go through some discouragement this week? Oh, yeah, probably all of us. The rest of you are lying. You're going to feel discouraged later for lying. (laughs) Why do we face discouragement? Well, there's all kinds of reasons. What can we do with discouragement? How do we overcome discouragement? This is a big sermon. I never should have told God I'd agree to preaching on it. I don't know if I've ever preached about discouragement, but here it goes. And I had quite the week because when you're going to preach on something this big and this important to people's lives, oh, the enemy's going to attack you. So I've had quite the week, but I'm still encouraged. I'm here. I'm ready to preach. I um, was thinking of that scripture in Proverbs 23, verse 7, that says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. When it says man, it means man or woman. As a person thinks in their heart, so are they. So it tells me I've got two problems. One is the way I think, and then some, one, is, one is my heart. Now, there's only one thing worse to me than a person living in darkness. It's a person that knows the light but continues to live in darkness. That's worse. Because if you know Jesus, you've got the light. You've got the mind of Christ. You should be able to overcome discouragement. You should be able to walk into being an encourager. And you should be a light to the world, a city on the hill, the scripture says. But many of us hide our light under a bushel. You remember that old kid song? Hide your light under a bushel? No. No way. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. But many Christians are not letting their light shine because of discouragement. This is the enemy's tactic. You see, when the Bible says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he doesn't just come and knock you down one day and give you a shot right in the nose. He gets you discouraged because if he can get you discouraged, it feeds into fear or he makes you fearful and that feeds into discouragement. And if he gets you discouraged, he paralyzes you from doing and being who he's called you to be. Now, Justin spoke about it last week, and Dwayne spoke about it Friday night. The Word. The Logos Word, the Rhema Word. A lot of times we're discouraged because we don't know the Word. If you don't know truth, 
you're going to walk. Believe in the lies that the enemy brings to you. Because the enemy doesn't need to destroy you a lot of times. A lot of times he just needs to get you to discourage so that you don't look at the truth. You ignore the truth. You ignore who you are. So we don't know the word. Secondly, and you talked a little bit about this Friday night too. I'm like, Dwayne, shut up already. I'm preaching this Sunday. <laughs> your call. Remember at the end you were talking, praying for, yeah, if you don't know your call, let's come and pray for you. A lot of us, we don't know the word, but we also don't know our call. And if we don't have our call in the forefront of our thinking and mind, what God has called us to do, we're going to struggle. The other thing we don't know sometimes, or we ignore, we don't know the presence of God. So we've got to know his word. We've got to know our call. We've got to know his presence. So what do we do? We start to um, cope rather than live. And there's many Christians just coping. Going on, they got facing discouragement, they're facing the fire. You think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just stepped into that furnace without overcoming discouragement? <laughs> no, they weren't going to bow. But the problem is many Christians are bowing, and I'll tell you that's what the last three years of this COVID nonsense has been about, Trying to get the church to bow. Who? When he said, be careful what you say today. Sorry. <laughs> I ain't too careful. We've been believing lie after lie after lie. It's time for the church to rise up and be the light and walk in truth and know the word. We're going to have to start thinking differently as a church. Sorry if I'm rustling some feathers, but you can talk to Dwayne afterwards. He'll set you straight. <laughs> He's the elder, so. <laughs> so what do we do to cope? And we've all done it. Oh, when I was going through a difficult time and your spouse is upset because you're not following who you are in Christ, you're not following the word, you're not following your call, man, you just go to sleep. Yeah, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to sleep longer. I'm going to sleep in. Now I'm at that place where I'm like, oh, man, here it goes. 4.30, bing. <laughs> so if you see me posting a scripture at 4.30 or something, that's me up there just doing some devotions and posting a scripture while I'm lying next to my beautiful wife sawing logs. <laughs> and if my phone accidentally, you ever done this? the sound's left on, <laughs> and something comes up that makes noise or a little video, and you're like, oh, no, she's going to kill me. <laughs> but it's time to wake up. Sleeping, a coping mechanism. Eating. Man, before my stroke, I eat pretty good now, pretty healthy. Uh, before my stroke, I had that man disease. Ah, I can eat whatever I want. I'm fine. We drown our sorrows in food, gluttony, drugs, alcohol. How about attitude? I'm going to put on attitude. You won't mess with me. And then what comes with the attitude is the blame game. It's everybody else's problem. Sometimes we're discouraged because we're not seeing the own problem that lies right within. Because we're asleep. We're on drugs. We're blaming everybody else. 
what's another one, excuses, or some of us, we're the proper ones. We're doing nothing for God, but we've got a routine. My life is fine. Do you know routine can be just as sinful as drugs? Oh, I'm fine if I got my routine in. See, my wife would never touch the bad stuff, but she could get caught up in routine. Sorry, hon, I love you. <laughs> but that's her drug of choice. <laughs> I should have been a little more routine in my sermon here. But you can get caught up in just doing your thing, the same thing I do every day, and then miss out on the voice of God and what God has for you. Why else do I get discouraged? Or what else do I do? A coping mechanism? I'm work. I'm going to work. I'll just work hard and work hard. I used to work 14, 16-hour days. It was great. I was making money, ignoring the wife that was hurting and the family that needed their dad. How are you coping with discouragement? So I think one of the biggest reasons, like I said, is we're not engaged in the Word of God. If we don't know the Word of God, we don't know truth. And we do know that in the beginning was the word. And you need to use this scripture too. Like, Dwayne, why don't we just write each other's notes? And the word is with God and the word is God. Jesus was the word. If we don't know the word, we don't know Jesus. If we don't know Jesus, we don't know how to overcome discouragement. We've got to know the word of God. So I'm not going to preach too long on that. Paul uh, and many throughout scriptures had every right to be discouraged. See, you got a right to be discouraged when you get your head whacked off the wall by your mom. I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes, above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. And Paul goes on and on of everything that he's faced. Paul had every right to be discouraged, yet what, what is he doing in prison? Singing praises to God with Silas. Seeing prison doors open, seeing people set free. He had every right to be discouraged. And you, if you think about it, everything you've been through, you have every right to be discouraged. I have every right to be discouraged. I've been a pastor for many years while I was off for seven. And a lot of, not Christians, a lot of church people suck. <laughs> Why? Because they got the light and they're walking around in darkness and they're not getting along. And they're finding excuses because it is easy to be negative about everything. You could find fault and negativity in everything your church does, your pastor does, or your leadership. Or you can find out how you can be a blessing. How you can use the oil that you've been given and how you can serve. Got to know my word. Got to know who he is. Got to know his presence. Know my goals. Follow my call. You know the other thing I've got to be willing to do? I've got to be willing to evaluate where I'm at. You want to overcome discouragement, you've got to evaluate. Now, you're never going to be able to evaluate if you don't know truth in the Word. So I've got to be able to evaluate in a healthy way. So what do I do? 
Well, I've got to hang around the body because they're going to help me evaluate. But if I'm not willing to open up, what do we often do when um, we're discouraged? We isolate. When you isolate, you'll never be able to hear the truth from someone that needs to tell you. If you're discouraged, I always said this, like someone said, oh, I can't come to church, I'm sick. Well, go there and get healed. Right? I'm discouraged. Well, go be around the body. Let someone pour into you. Don't isolate and evaluate. This is what I need. This is what I need to hear. And be honest with yourself. Every single one of us need to learn to proclaim life over ourselves. That's why you get to know the word. So rather than saying, oh, nobody loves me. I love everybody. That's, what, that's where I get discouraged because I never could understand why someone would get upset with me because I literally try to love everybody. So I'm like, they're mad at me? Wendy, why would they be mad at me? Like, I love them. Why would they talk about me? I forgive them. I want to show kindness. I, well, it's learning to take their, no, or sorry, not take their issues on myself. So you're going to have people around you, you can't own their issues. You've got to evaluate what's going on in you, not them. But I'd rather evaluate them. <laughs> if my spouse could only change, or if that person in the church, or my coworker could only change, if we start evaluating everybody else, we're going to be in trouble and we will be discouraged. Because you can't make people perform or behave the way you want them to perform or behave. But you can help yourself behave better. Self-inventory. So why do we face discouragement? Obviously, the work of the enemy. Okay, we'll, we'll give the enemy some credit in this. But we love to blame the enemy for everything. And sometimes it's not the enemy. The enemy's behind everything. Sometimes, number one, it's my own sin. I'm discouraged because I've got problems in my own life I haven't repented for and I'm not dealing with. When we get caught up in things that separate us from the presence of God, we become discouraged and fearful. Well, you say, well, what do you mean? God loves me. He's right there. Let me read you scripture. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, which means your sin, have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. How often have we been caught up in secret sin and then wondered why we're discouraged? If you're facing discouragement, maybe having difficulty getting along with your spouse, your kids, your coworkers, evaluate yourself and do some repenting. You got to repent and turn away from the sin that's in your life. If I let sin fester within me, it separates me from God. Oh, where was that scripture? Oh, did they put it up? 
Isaiah, I believe it is. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm already past that, but I'll get it to you later if you want to ask. So I will try and say the references from now on. <laughs> Here's the next thing. I may struggle with discouragement because I'm listening to the wrong voice. The lives of the enemy, the choice of others. Second Corinthians, um, starting verse 9, but as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. How does he reveal things to you? Through his spirit. Well, here's part of the problem being discouraged. I start living in the flesh and not living in the spirit. I don't even hear the spirit and what he's telling me. But God has revealed them through his spirit, for the spirit teaches some things. No, all things. Wow. We'd be less apt to be discouraged if we knew all things like God knows. That's something about God. A non-moral attribute is God is omniscient. He knows all things. Anybody else in here omniscient? I'll tell you this. My spirit man is, if he's in tune with the spirit of God, my sp the spirit is perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm going to continue to battle with my flesh and things that I shouldn't. But then the Spirit speaks to me about those, and I repent. I turn away from So sin separates from me from God, and the fleshly nature separates me from hearing the Spirit of God because God reveals them through the Spirit. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So, Nate, when you receive God, Jesus as your personal Savior on Friday night, Holy Spirit comes to live in you, and he starts teaching you in all things. So it's important, maybe you're a new Christian in the place, that you start to have conversation with Holy Spirit in your life. Read your word. Start to learn what it means to walk in the Spirit, hear from the Spirit. Dwayne, does Holy Spirit speak to you? Do you still need to hear him? Well, you've been serving him for 150 years, Dwayne. Yeah, and maybe you have been serving the Lord for 150 years, and you don't think you need to listen to the Spirit anymore. <laughs> That's a lie. We need to keep hearing from the Spirit of God. Can't just live by our own wisdom and our own things and our own thinking. Let's go to number three here. So it goes right along with it. I might be discouraged because I move in the flesh, instead of the spirit our flesh has better precedent in our life for making decisions sometimes why do we move in the flesh well because i can see the flesh i feel the flesh and i start to think with this and not this sometimes as christians we're 18 inches away from really serving god and making a difference from overcoming our discouragement 18 inches is the difference from here to here as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So when we start to think, there's two aspects of thinking. There's the conscious mind, and then there's the subconscious mind. 
I really believe the subconscious mind has to do with your heart. So what this mind is feeding the subconscious mind impacts how you behave and what you do. So we've got to start to deal with both minds. How do we deal with both minds? Well, it says in Scripture, you have the mind of Christ. Well, you can ignore that mind. You got it. He's within you. So I start to read the Word of God, and he speaks to this mind. And then this mind starts to feed this mind so that I behave differently, I move differently, I act differently, I love a little bit differently. When the enemy lies, he says, you're no good. Well, that can't be true because that's not what the Word says. The Word says, I'm empowered. The Word says, I'm forgiven. The Word says, I have victory. The Word says, well, the Lord will never leave me. The Lord says, he's with me. The Lord says, you are good. So I start to proclaim things that I've learned maybe in this mind, the conscious mind, to the subconscious mind. And if I proclaim it enough into the subconscious, into my heart, then I start to believe and start to behave differently. So when the difficulty comes, I have the ability to overcome that discouragement. But you've got to have both minds working. And allow the mind of Christ to teach you here and here. You ever think about that? The two different minds? As a man thinketh in his heart. Well, what do you mean my heart? Well, when you give your self to Jesus, a lot, a lot of times we'll say, give your heart to the Lord. I give my heart, my being, my will, my emotions, all that I am. And I start to think with the spirit realm rather than just the intellect realm. There's many Christians that I have pastored throughout the years that tried to continue to live the Christian walk up here. And then they miss out on a whole other realm when they live a discouraged life. Because you're not going to overcome with your intellect. You're going to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by moving, living, praying, worshiping in the Spirit. You will worship in spirit and truth. How many times did Paul tell us to walk in the spirit? To move in the spirit. So we've got to get that 18-inch correction in our life. If I don't think, speak, and act in the spirit, I will walk one of two ways. Deceived or discouraged. And there's a lot of Christians that are deceived as well. You want to be uh, encouraged in your family, your marriage, your workplace, your church. Live life in the spirit. You want to be discouraged? Live life in the flesh. Keep looking for the answers in your intellect. You ever met that person? They can try to argue with you about things, but you just, you know in your spirit the full of it. That's the thing with trying to argue with the spirit-filled man. Whew. You can't do it. Okay, next. Why do I struggle? Fear. Mm. We all know that verse that says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Paul has some great hints here 
about how to not be discouraged. And when he says spirit of fear, he's not talking about that spirit or a, a evil spirit that was within you. He it actually is translating the Greek, your disposition. God hasn't given you a disposition of fear. That's not who you are. So he's giving you a different disposition now that you are serving him. So God hasn't given you that makeup of a person that is fearful. He's given you the makeup of a person that is strong, that has confidence. Because you can have confidence in who he has made you. Do you have confidence? Paul was teaching a young Timothy here. This is from 2 Timothy 1, if you want to open your Bibles. And you're going to see some great points along here. We're going to go through 2 Timothy chapter 1. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. We become discouraged when our conscience is seared. Ooh, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. So some of us may need to, in our evaluation, evaluate our conscience. Is my conscience allowing me to lie to myself and others? We need to serve them with a pure conscience. You want to be discouraged, lie to yourself. Best thing we can do is come clean and repent. Best thing I ever did was coming clean and repenting to my wife when I was having troubles in our marriage. It's a great feeling. Discouragement just lifts off you. Because the enemy is holding the keys for too long. The enemy doesn't know what to do when you repent. He loses. The only person that wins when you repent and come clean is you. <laughs> and everybody else around you. One of the healthiest things you can do is serve them with a clear conscience. When our conscience becomes seared, our heart and response to others is hard. You want to know why people become argumentative? Many times it's because they have a seared conscience. Their conscience is impure. And they're more discouraged. So you need to pray for them. Pray for their heart. Paul had come to that place where he would no longer be living a brutal, sinful life. Like, he lived a brutal life. He was killing Christians. He was persecuting Christians. And he's like, I'm not going to live that way anymore. Now I'm coming to God. I'm giving it all up. Here, here's what I was. I was the chief of all sinners. I was the worst of sinners. He talks about that. But now i got a clear conscience. And I thank God for that. Secondly, we talked a little bit about this. He says, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy when we are encouraged. We don't um, want to stay away from people. When we're discouraged, we want to isolate. Don't isolate. Paul said, I'm greatly desiring to see you and be with you. Often we don't, when we uh, get lack of attendance, maybe going to church or a Bible study or to a barn night or whatever like that, 
we get discouraged and we want to isolate ourselves. Well, because if, if I go to church, you know, that Rob and Vicky, you know, they're at the altar and they're going to want to pray for me and I don't want them to pray for me. Then I got to deal with stuff. I'd rather isolate. And Rob's such a nice guy. I'd have a hard time saying no to him. <laughs> it's exactly what you need, though. So Paul's saying, I'm greatly desiring to see you. This is a healthy man. So we're looking at Paul and the things that he's writing and teaching. And this just came alive to me this week. I'd never read it this way before. A healthy man saying, I greatly desire to see you to Timothy, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. So getting together and coming together, it brings joy to my heart. So when I start to gather with God's people, it can help deal with discouragement itself. So when we are discouraged, we don't desire to see anyone. You ever been there? In your discouragement? Huff. See ya. I think I'll stay at home and watch some football. I think I'll stay at home and take a nap. I'm fine. Yeah, you're fine because you're ignoring everything that's going on in your heart and your conscience. You don't want to deal with it, but you're going to stay discouraged. So when the enemy comes again next time, you haven't gotten that part healed of you, so you get discouraged and overwhelmed again. I'll tell you, if you follow these steps, we could eliminate suicide in Canada. Right? We repent. We don't isolate. We desire to come together to be with each other. My next point, being genuine, being real. Paul says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm also persuaded in you also. You talk about generational blessings. Whew. He knows his mother, his grandma, Lois and Eunice. And he says, you got that same genuine faith that they carried. Well, genuine, repentant Christians walking that love to gather together, pass it down to their children. That's a generational blessing. Learning to not be discouraged. Being genuine in who you are and genuine in your faith. Paul is saying, I knew your mother, your grandma. And now I know you the same way. I pray that people say that about our kids. Right? I know Zach and I know Taylor. They're genuine, just like you and Wendy. How many want people to say that about their kids? They're genuine in their faith. Paul speaks of this genuine faith in Timothy and his family. His family was building a legacy of people that didn't get discouraged. And we had talked to some of those reasons why we get discouraged, but they had dealt with those things. Paul honors Timothy for his family's legacy. And I'm telling you today, you can turn your family's legacy around today. Maybe you're discouraged in here today. You don't have to stay that way. 
You don't have to be walking in the darkness and the fear. You may have failed, but God loves you, and when we repent, we are forgiven, and we can move back in the light. I desire restoration and healing for you. I desire for you to begin a new legacy for you, your kids, and your grandkids. How many say a legacy is pretty important for me? Put your hand up. I don't care if you're even single. We all got to start leaving a legacy that's genuine. What does a genuine person look like? Well, a genuine person, they're the real deal. They're, uh, in God's eyes, they would be a person that's in the Word, a person that's Holy Spirit-filled, following the leading and teaching of Holy Spirit because he teaches in all things, like we said. And it's a person that's genuine with others. Open, loving, honest, truthful. They speak authentically. They are encouragers. They are honest. They are true to who God is and what God has for them. How many of you love people that are open and honest with you even when it hurts? (laughs) You know those difficult talks that you got to have? How many appreciate when someone's willing to have them with you and it helps you? Well, we've got to be genuine, right? And not everybody will want to be genuine back. That's not on you. Dwayne's famous line that he uses, I told him he needs to write a book, is next. Sometimes we've got to say next to people that don't want to be genuine. I'm always here for you, but i got things to do here. Well, you want to come. You want to be genuine, let's go, let's talk. So a genuine person is real. They're honest. What you see is what you get. Now that is not an excuse to be mean to people. (laughs) Well, what you see is what you get. Yeah, because you're a grumpy mess. Doesn't mean you can be rude and mean to people. Genuine in the faith. Genuine in, you still got to display the fruit of the Spirit. (laughs) Genuine in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You can't blame your lack of self-control on that's who God's made me. Because that's not a fruit of the Spirit. That's not God. You need to repent for some areas and get some healing in some areas that are amazing, maybe causing you to not have self-control. Your addiction, your problems are not God's fault. But God can help you with them. So we get that healing, we're not so discouraged. You want to be, um, let's, let's be open and honest here. All of us that have been married, a lot of marriages, I do a lot of counseling. Big ones are communication, finances, and sex. If you're not genuine and honest in maybe a a porn addiction, you're going to struggle sexually. But there's healing. You got to repent. God wants to see you restored. We don't just give up. A genuine person says, okay, God, here I am. I repent for this. I turn from this. And God wants to forgive you. Everything within him 
wants you to live a self-controlled life. He wants you to live a faithful life. I had gone through um, a time of where I wasn't faithful. I wasn't walking in the Spirit. Well, it doesn't mean that's who God made me. You know, it meant I had some sin in my life I had to deal with. Did God stop loving me? No. He still loves you in your sin and your pain. This is amazing when you think of God. He's just desiring for you to be genuine in all that he's made you to be. So sometimes discouragement comes on because of sin in our life that we need to deal with. And don't say, well, that's just me. That's who I am. Start to evaluate. And then Paul goes on in verse 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So Paul had obviously prayed for Timothy at one time, laid hands on him, imparted him for ministry. Um, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. So that's the part we all read and know. But Paul also reminds Timothy, step into ministry. You're discouraged? Go do something for the kingdom. Stir up the gift that is in you. Or some versions say, fan the flame. Fan that flame. Well, we're so worried about being right, we forget, I got a call. Paul's telling Timothy, fan it into flame. Stir up the gifts in you. How many of you know that have served the Lord a long time, when you get busy doing kingdom work, you're less discouraged? You don't have time for discouragement because you're too busy doing what God wants you to do. I know I've had that in my life. When I get discouraged, I don't want to do kingdom work. But if you go out and force yourself to do something for the kingdom of God, that discouragement starts to lift. So sometimes we just got to get busy busy stirring up the gift that's in us, stirring up that spirit thing, what God wants to do. One of the greatest things we can ever do to get over discouragement is to get actively involved in serving. Actively involved in ministry. Yeah, actively, actively involved in purpose. And it could be something simple. I like when Mark uh, gets me a glass of water. Where is, do I have any water left? Yeah, I want, I want a drink of water. Mark, thanks for serving me today. It can be something simple. Tim and Liz, serve you coffee. Thanks for serving. You know, as we uh, move from here, there's going to be lots of work to do. Come and serve. Get actively involved. Some of us have been sitting back for years. We could be on a prayer team. We could be laying hands on people, helping people discover their calling, helping people as they repent before the Lord. We don't want to just blame the enemy all the time. Well, the devil, he makes me feel this way. Last I checked, you still have authority over the devil. Sometimes we don't walk like we have authority. We walk like we're stuck in discouragement, stuck in defeat. My Bible says I'm more than a conqueror. 
And if you're in Christ Jesus, you are too. <laughs> Again, know your word. Get active in the gifts of the Spirit. We often struggle with uh, discouragement because of, ooh, we're getting near the end, pride. We feel discouraged easily often because of our subconscious mind has been programmed to overprotect our ego. <laughs> Ouch. Do you want me to say that again? We feel discouraged easily often because our subconscious mind has been programmed to overprotect our ego. As a result, we are often sort of half discouraged in our deeper mind before you even get started. So when something comes on, oh, the switch gets turned. Oh, I'm just so discouraged. Because my heart isn't healthy. Some of us need to deal with our pride. Need to deal with the ego. There's lots of Christians with ego. Oh, well, I've served the Lord for 40 years. I'm like 30 right now. Bob, how long you served Jesus? Are you 60 years yet? Over 60 years? Do you ever have to repent still, Bob? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just want some of these new Christians to hear it. So he served the Lord twice as long as me, and he's still got to repent sometimes. Oh, there's so much freedom when we repent and turn away from things that are hindering us from the presence of God. You look at the verses on pride. Proverbs 11, verse 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Blessed are the humble. Oh, with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 16, verse 5. The Lord detests the proud of heart. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Discouragement often has a root of pride in our lives. Ask the Lord, I dare you. Is there some pride in me, some wicked way in me that I need to repent of? As soon as we think we have it all together, we're probably in trouble. That's why you can talk to a guy like Bob who served the Lord over 60 years, and he says, I still have to repent. Because serving the Lord for 60 years still does not give Bob license to think he's got it all together. We don't have it all together. It's all right to admit that. Everyone say to your neighbor, I don't have it all together. I didn't say, say to your neighbor, you don't have it all together. <laughs> and I want to end with this. I had more, but I'm going to end here. We often struggle with discouragement because of poor vision. People cast off restraint for lack of revelation. That's that people, my people perish for lack of vision. 
the actual definition of those words is people cast off restraint for lack of revelation. So vision means revelation. Revelation is that hearing from God. If you stop getting revelation, that's why it's so important to come and pray at the altars. That's why it's so important to go to a Friday night barn, to have people in your house to pray with, to meet together often with people. Um, even if it's going out for breakfast, go talk about the Lord. Right? And nothing wrong with the little eggs with it. <laughs> Get together and tell them your testimony. Come together. Get revelation with people. Because you don't know it all. You need fresh revelation. You need to hear that prophetic word. Maybe that scripture that so-and-so has been reading, they're like, oh, this is coming alive to me. I had fresh revelation with Paul and those teachings about Lois and Eunice and being genuine in your faith. And I come to you with a clear conscience. I'm like, oh, this is really good. I know Dwayne said that Friday, and he goes, I've been reading the Bible a long time, like four pages a day, highlight everything. He goes, and I'm still learning. I don't know it all. Yeah, he's, that's what he said. He goes, I'm just starting. Some of us even just need to get started. Get fresh revelation. We get discouraged when we don't have good vision. We can't see the whole picture. But if I start to see the full picture, I'm less discouraged. Because I know God's still got good plans for me. Plans to prosper me, not to harm me. Plans to give me a hope and a future, as he said in Jeremiah. I know he's got plans for me. Ooh, I'm getting goosebumps right now. <laughs> That's the Holy Ghost goosebumps. And God's got vision for you. Get in his presence. So sometimes we're discouraged because we don't have good vision. My people perish for lack of revelation. So maybe ask the Lord this week. Give me some fresh revelation, Lord. There's a good prayer. What are you saying to me, Lord? And continue to pray for what he can have you do to, to serve get involved in ministry. Those who are discouraged and in this place, that's most of us that have gone through discouragement. Yeah, I'm closing. You're welcome to go up, worship team. Thank you, Chris. I'm just so thankful. Uh, just seeing Chris there made me think of the people we have around us. Anybody thankful for the people you have around you that will encourage you? Like, it's so nice to not be kicked out of this church. Anybody else ever been kicked out of a church? I got that t-shirt. <laughs> it's not fun. Be thankful for the people you have around you. And as we continue to move forward as a church, let's move forward together with fresh revelation for each other. Oh, just a fresh touch. And I'm going to have my prayer team actually come forward. And they're going to be open as we close today to give you fresh revelation. And a lot of these people will pray prophetically 
over you, and they might have something for you. Prayer team, be open for something fresh that God has to give someone today. Or maybe you're in here today and you don't know the Lord yet. They would love to pray a prayer with you to dedicate your heart to the Lord. That's the starting point. Maybe you served the Lord for 50 years and you just say, I need something fresh. Or maybe you want to come up and say, Jeanette, can you pray with me? I've been struggling with this area. And these people keep everything in confidence. And they'll love on you and pray for you. They don't judge you. They are kingdom warriors with you and for you. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to sing a song. And then we're going to open these altars to whatever God has. If you want prayer today. Some just may need some fresh revelation. Come and get it. You've been struggling with discouragement. Well, I'll tell you, fresh revelation helps deal with discouragement. Let me just get a show of hands. How many of you love fresh revelation? Oh, yeah. We need it. So thankful for it. Father, I thank you for these people, the family we have. Thank you for your word today, all these scriptures we read and looked at. and I'm thankful for forgiveness, for grace. I'm thankful for vision. My people do perish for lack of vision. They cast, out, cast off restraint for lack of revelation. I pray for fresh revelation on people's lives today through this prayer team. Anointing on this prayer team right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, I, I feel people are going to leave this place changed today. We're going to break off discouragement in the name of Jesus. People set free in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Chris, lead us in worship and some, or Amanda, and these altars are open. You're free to go if you have to go. If you're going to fellowship, please go to the coffee area or the foyer.